Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the History Hour here on KZMU. I'm your host and guide, Blaine. And today is kind of cool. We're going to do some guide banter. I've got some other guides in the studio with me today. And we're going to be talking about our sort of our favorite histories that we've got and, uh, you know, just some guide stories. And I think you guys are really, really going to enjoy the next hour. So I'm going to introduce you to <laughs> our guides up here. Uh, so we got Josh Panchinson. How are you doing, Josh? I'm doing good, Blaine. Oh, awesome. Awesome. And then we got Will Wolford. What's up, Will? How y'all doing now? <laughs> so these are two of the best guides that I know here in Moab. They both guide River. Josh guides uh, pretty much everything you can think of here in Moab. Um, what, what all do you guide, Josh? Anything they'll pay me for, Blaine. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, uh, this is my fifth season with Navtech Expeditions. Uh, started out driving 4x4s and uh, got cross-trained for canyoneering and whitewater and now predominantly um, do mostly river stuff. I drive sport boats down in Cataract. Sweet. Nice. And uh, so, uh, Will, what do you do? What do you, what are you up to nowadays? You've been, I mean, I mean, I know you've been guiding a river for years, but you know, what are you doing a lot of the more business side of technical gear and stuff like that now? And just missing visiting Moab. Glad to be back again. You know, seeing everybody going down the rivers. Okay. These days, though, not too much. Not as much fun as you guys are having here in Moab. Sweet. He's t- he's tenured though. <laughs> he's, uh, he's part of the old guard for sure. Cool. Yeah. Um. So basically, you know, being the history are yeah, we're gonna talk some history here, but you know, um, one of the things is guides. Us guides, we're the ones who. I don't want to say, uh, other than like the Moab Museum and and other services, you know, in Moab, we're pretty much the main the main guys on the front lines of teaching tourists history, you know, because we're out there in the thick of it all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And um, I know we we all three know a lot of a lot of history, you know, and we've got a lot of really awesome stuff. So I kind of want to sort of, you know, just our favorite parts of regional history, whether it be river or land or uh, indigenous history, whatever, you know, um, you know, Josh, what's your, uh, what's your favorite part of like Moab history here? The first thing that I really took to when I was, when I moved here was geology, but shortly thereafter, just the, like the anthropologic value Mm -hmm. of the area, you know, ancestral Puebloans, archaic peoples and, you know, we've got scads and scads of rock art and structures and things like that. And, you know, it's honestly one of the more rewarding things about uh, when you get people talking, you know, you stop at the potash petroglyphs or whatever it is. There's a couple class one sites on tours that we can uh, take people to. And, you know, it's funny because most archaeologists, just about all archaeologists, you know, I'm like, trying to pick their brain about specific facts and things because you know ultimately you want to like weave a story right and get people thinking about stuff you know you look at these pictographs and you're like well what's that mean and every archaeologist i've ever talked to they go well you know we really don't know and uh that's kind of the fun of it right you know that that interpretive side like what do you think you know that's what i always ask people right well this is what i think it is you know, uh, what are your thoughts? And you get the kids in on it, and they're thinking, you know, 
And I'd love to feed off on that, Josh. That's absolutely right. You know, there is the beautiful history aspect of it, but it does come down to you stand in that position where these people were a long time ago, and you just think to yourself, man, we're all just hanging out together. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, that's kind of, you know, also just to go around about right off the heels of what you guys are saying. Yeah, when anytime, especially petroglyph sites, you know, when I'm at a petroglyph site, because that's that's kind of one of the one of the big things that we uh, guide at on on my specific tours when it as far as like, you know, um, um, indigenous um, uh, stuff like that, Uh, we I, I just love looking at these markings that they left in the wall thousands of years ago. And I like to try to get people to use their imaginations. Like, Hey guys, what do you think they were? What do you think that they were seeing? What do you think that they were, uh, believing in? Are they telling stories? Are these, look at these weird squiggly lines. Do you think these could be maps to somewhere or something like that? Could this cop possibly be the Colorado river? Maybe like a little stream system coming off the mountain that they were mapping out or something like that. Or they could have been, Hey, they got their own stream system. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you never know, man, you know, and one of the cool things I always love telling people, is one thing that people really don't think about is that thousands of years these indigenous people they had the continents already mapped out i mean they were already mapped out like like you go down to chaco canyon i was i was watching a documentary um over the winter and in chaco canyon um which if you don't know where that's at that's sort of on the border of new mexico and arizona uh, they found these archaeologists found these pots with perfectly preserved like macaw feathers and like cacao which obviously is from South America, right? And then you go, and then they found these uh, seashells that they can trace up to the Oregon coast. So obviously there was some sort of like a silk road, maybe like a big, long trade route trail going all the way down the North and South continents, which I think is pretty cool, you know? Um, So yeah, I love just relating that with people, you know? on these tours the, the way you present that blaine that is beautiful man. <laughs> anybody can put it down on a map but to actually talk about it and present it that way that's perfect yeah. man. it's almost like blaine has said that exact same thing it's almost like times on tour you know i need to get like you guys <laughs> i was actually talking about this on a tour the other day um do you guys know of like the guide voice i've taken i've taken like cave tours where they're so scripted you know, and everything is talked like this, and they sort of end everything. That's like the guide voice because mm-hmm. they're so scripted, and they've said what they're saying to you. They've said a thousand times before, and that's one thing I hate. I I do not want to do on tours. I just want to be more natural. But yeah, I've said that a million times before. <laughs> well, that's how it goes, man. You do that a million times, and you get casual with it, mm-hmm. where you can spit it out and then throw your bit of interp on top of that to relate to you know the average customer that comes down and wants to learn about this stuff yeah the best way for learning throw a little laughter in it man you know absolutely dude yeah because um you know you you do your bit right and then if somebody's actually interested and they you know ask you questions or anything like that then you you know then you get into the nitty-gritty right then then you really start you know, educating, because uh, don't get me wrong. You know, it's 
the guide voice it's a it's a coping mechanism almost you know you're kind of mm. dead inside you're like hey guys all right my name is josh i'm be your guide today so you know yes. and you just rattle it off yes. for like the jokes you know i'm coming yeah. around uh i'm coming around the corner out of an arches tour yeah and you see uh uh the bust of uh nefertiti uh uh-huh. you know or uh, cleopatra rather oh yeah and uh and you're like, and if you you guys know the bust of Queen Nefertiti with the big square hat, yeah, you know, and they're like, oh yeah, you know, and you're like, and then you're like, right up there, and then you yeah. come into view of it, and it's like, and then people are like, oh my god, and then I always say, and how that rock fractured and slid laterally but didn't fall, your guess is as good as mine, absolutely, yeah. and right every money. time I say that, I'm like, oh, <laughs> right on yes. money. It's a little piece of my soul right Dude, there. Dude, absolutely. <laughs> That's perfect. You know, one of the things I always say on tours that I've probably said a million times is when we're whenever we're going into the portal. And this is something of people I, being sort of, you know, being really into the history here and sort of a historian or whatever. I keep stuff with me in my backpack. I've got, you know, I've got arches, brochures from 1948 that I can show people. And I've got... Uh, one of the things as far as the portal goes is I have something from the 1920s and it's literally a newspaper clipping, sort of like an artist drawing petition, uh, a depiction of the portal. And it says, head of the Grand Canyon, Moab, Utah, from like the late 50s. And at the bottom it says the Lions Club, which back in the day, the Lions Club, they were sort of just a group of men. They did a lot with like... Uh, making governmental decisions and stuff as far as like local government goes and different things they had more they had more influence on things than what they do today however um it's a really cool picture anyways as i'm coming around the corner i'm like you know i'm pot ash road i'm coming around the corner i'm about to go into the portal i'm like i'm like you guys see the colorado river's cutting across the moab valley right here and you see we're about to go into a canyon and they're all like yeah yeah they're like looking like way up the walls and stuff and i'm like yeah so this is actually the beginning of the grand canyon system so back before the days, allegedly, uh, <laughs> <laughs> got him, <laughs> got him, allegedly. <laughs> so I'm like, so <laughs> we're still upper basin here. Like. Yeah, we're still upper basin. But Let's I'm like, so basin. before the days of bridges, dams, and boat ramps, essentially, a lot of people believe if you go into the river right here into this canyon, you're surrounded by walls from here basically down to the bottom of the Grand. You know, unless you knew how to traverse up and you knew where the crossing of the fathers were from Escalante's 1776 expedition was, and you knew how to map your way out of there, then yeah, you know, you're you're probably good if you can get past Cataract Canyon, you know, but... You got some water. There's <laughs> a, a lot, lot of water. <laughs> a lot of water. Yeah, a lot of water. But yeah, that's something I've probably said a million times, you know, while guiding and stuff like that, but yeah, so... But yeah, I mean, I've been, I'm on my uh, fifth season with Navtech. Um, Josh, you've been guiding out here, what, six seasons now? Five seasons? No, this is, this is my fifth. Your fifth season we, also? We started, started same, together. Same year? Yeah, that's yeah. right. And Will, you've been on the water since. Jeez, I stumbled upon these guys. Jeez, a while ago, about <laughs> two, two, three years ago. Oh, three years ago. Three sure. years ago. Yeah. Seems like a lifetime. I know. Seems Companionship. Like Seems like a lifetime. <laughs> you know, and as guides, you know, we've we've seen a lot. I mean, I know I was trying to do a rough tally as to how many people I've probably guided in the past, you know, uh, however many years. And I'm thinking just, you know, probably 2,000 to 2,500 people now, you know, taking 
How many people can I fit in the rig? How many trips am I doing a week? How many trips am I doing a year? How many you like? <laughs> How many do I bring back? Uh, that's that's a whole other story. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, we've we've seen a lot, we've done a lot, and I know Josh. You know, you've see as far as variety of guiding goes, Josh does a lot of a lot of. I mean, he guides canyoneering, he guides four by four tours, he guides hiking tours, he goes down Cat, he goes down the Daily, he goes down Westwater. He does everything but fly airplanes. Badass. I mean, you, you forgot snowmobiles and dog sleds. But, snowmobiles yeah. and dog sleds also, yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, so Josh, what is like, if you could think about real quick, like what is like one of your, kind of like one of your best memories as a guide out here so far? Oh, man. Just something that really sticks with you. Um Honestly, it's probably something pretty recently. So, okay. like high water this past spring. Oh yeah. Um, so when I like twenty, what spring twenty nineteen was my first season out here, and I remember going down Cat, and that was a high water year. I think it was sixty eight k, and I went with Dave Pitzer, who's like the main sport boat dude at the time, and uh, you know I was fresh faced out of a, you know out of a big relationship, moved across the country, you know, very uh, formative time in my life. And I went down cat at high water in a sport boat, setting safety for our buddy Tubbs. And uh, I was just holding on for dear life. I had mm. no idea what I was really looking at, um, but it was huge. And it left a really big impression on me. And so since then, up until this spring, it's just been... I mean, a series of really low water years. And uh, oh, yeah. so I learned how to drive sport boats in just about the boniest conditions. You know, I think 3,400 CFS below the confluence was the lowest I'd ran a boat down, oh, motorboat down there. Mm. Yeah. And it was like pucker factor about 10. <laughs> but uh, ooh, ooh, this ooh. spring, you know, there's always that, you know, you can, you can feel it in the air. Everybody's like, oh man, how big is it going to get? You know, yeah. like the whisper. And uh, <laughs> and we were cranking out one days, every day, every other day. You know, these are like seventeen hour days because you can't use the North Wash boat ramp because it's a whole mess. By the way, everybody, write your state senators, please. Let's get something done about the North Wash boat ramp. <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, for real. But uh, I remember this spring, just barreling the nose of that boat into this like twenty foot standing breaking wave, like an ocean wave. And I had this mm. giant grin on my face. It's <laughs> literally the happiest I'd been in years. Sorry, Will. I know you missed a lot of that, but uh, it's okay. I could smell it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's like what you know, because like obviously you're not going to get rich guiding. That's not why we do it. Right. But it was probably the most satisfying, like validating validation of my existence that I've chosen to be a dirt bag pseudo dirt bag um it was absolutely spectacular you get that feeling and you know better than drugs proper all right yeah Everyone <laughs> take <a> note, proper <laughs> nice dude and, that sounds and like being a able trip. to share that with people oh absolutely you know because like you feed off of their energy and all of a sudden like maybe they weren't having the greatest time and then you get through the rapids and they just got a grin ear to ear. They're like, let's do it again. Yeah, and you're like, oh, really believe good. me, it's coming. Yeah. It's really, really good. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, Will, what's like your favorite time like guiding? What do you think, man? 
I like low water. You, you know? like low water? Okay. You need some low water. Okay. You know? uh, old school saying, low water makes the best guides. You always see the lines. And it's a little safer. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, of course. No, but, uh, you know, good. Low water will just get you down the river. Good areas. More beaches up here, you know. So I definitely appreciate that. Uh, different sections start running a little differently. Us guides all know that four by four and water you know mm-hmm. um so yeah like me some low water <laughs> i guess some low water man yeah some low water westy that's about the best time you can have you can get out and use some arkansas now you know down to colorado <laughs> were you spitting on people to get them wet or what <laughs> how low is our i don't know you go on get now come on <laughs> down <and get laughs> so you know, I, and and the thing is, like, well, I guide four by four, primarily just four by four in hiking. Um, not a river guy, you know. Uh, I do enjoy going on the river a few times a year whenever I can, uh, and of course, anytime I'm on the river, it always ends. It always ends up with some hilarious stories that stick with me, amongst you guys for years and years and years. Well, yeah, of course, in years. <laughs> In years. In years. <laughs> I got one. I'll, I'll tell y'all later while Blaine's gone. I got a good one about it. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we all know that. <laughs> Remember that Westy training trip? Yeah. Westy. So anyway, you know what? You know what? I'm just gonna tell the story. I think it's hilarious. I think everyone's gonna love the story. 2020 was it? 2020 or 20? It was 2020. It was 2020. It was 2020. During COVID, we were doing, uh, no one knew which way COVID was going to turn at the time, so we were doing some West Water training. And so all of our guides, we all went up. We were shut down. Nobody was really allowed to run tours back in the COVID days. And so anyways, I decided to join this, uh, this West Water trip. And it was in early March, early March, I think. It was early A brisk April. Early, early April. Brisk one. It was early April, high temperature of about 65, 70, and low temperature about 45 at night. So I brought warm clothes to wear at night. One thing I forgot is socks. <laughs> I forgot to bring socks, you guys. In. So <laughs> we get going down, and it was beautiful weather. And then we get down to, uh, I think we camped at Eagle that night. I believe so. It was around Eagle, River Right, something like that. So anyways, anyways. Uh, we wake up the next morning. It is just dumping snow. It's starting to snow like crazy. We end up paddling down to Cisco. It was so cold. A bunch of us were huddling in a, the pit toilet up there at Cisco. I'm like, I want to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm it like, was cold. The smell wasn't that bad. Yeah, it was actually it was not like that bad. Season. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, the smell wasn't too bad. Yeah, we, we it was. remarked on that. It was okay. Uh, it could yeah. be worse. Could, yeah, there was <laughs> about, what, seven or eight of us in there, I think. About as many people as you've ever fit yeah. in a pit toilet. <laughs> <laughs> so at this moment, I'm like, I need to get out of here. <laughs> I want to go just away. Like, I want to go home. So I'm at Cisco. And the only spot back then, I don't know about now, but back then the only spot you get a cell phone signal was way up on this like little nearby hill. So I climbed into the nearby hill, called up a friend, and I'm just like, yo, I got to get out of here. It's cold. I don't have any socks. Zero socks around. <laughs> so, I'm like, it's snowing. I just need to get out of here. And, and they basically said, well, good luck. <laughs> See you when you get back. <laughs> yeah. We got duct tape for your feet. <laughs> so I'm like, oh my gosh. And so that's just been the whole thing. Anytime anytime I get on the river, everyone's like, hey, Blaine, you got socks. You know, <laughs> like, hey, make sure you bring your socks. 
Um, so anyways, yeah, that's kind of the funny story. And, and I stuck it out, though, you know, and the skies opened up. The temperatures went back up. And all I rem- the one th- other than that, the one thing I remember about that trip is when we were coming around the corner to Postcard Alley, and you can see Fisher Towers and the LaSalle's. Mm-hmm. And there was like – we had three boats out there. Was it three or two? I think uh, we had three. Like three. Yeah, so we had three boats out there. Everybody was dead quiet. I mean, we were just, everybody was just silent. You could hear a pin drop because we were all just in awe of the view from when you come around the corner right there and you can just have that view of the LaSalle's, like your first view of the LaSalle's. Uh, just right there, was it like two miles before Hiddle or something? It's just, it's not too far from Hiddle. Yeah, just um, upstream. Yeah, just upstream from Hiddle. So um, anyways, that's like the funny Blaine River story. But primarily, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm on he land. Had to get on top of that one, real yeah. quick. <laughs> Sorry, folks. You, you meet you meet us. We could have had a better story. Here to people. <laughs> we'll give you the long form version of it. We could have got a lot better. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway, but so so. Anyways, yeah, I had to get on top of that one. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so so I guide mostly just four by four, and I've been doing it, you know, um, several years now, or whatever, and. Um, I'd have to say, you know what, my favorite thing, uh, guiding four by four is being able to, um, just to be way out in the boonies, you know, uh, way out on the white room. I love getting all the way out to like Washerwoman or down Lathrop, or I've been out to the maze. Um, I did a four day once this year with, uh, one of our guides, Charlotte, and we, we did a four day maze trip, took four days for us to get to the dollhouse, and we see Mr. Josh over here standing underneath of a tree waiting on us so that way he could take people down cat. It's burning hot. And it was I hot. I was like, where the heck are they? Golden <laughs> Eagle. Yeah, so so yeah. Um anyways, um it's just it's just so awesome for me. You know, I love being way out in the middle of the sticks and kinda out in the middle of nowhere with people and relaying history with people, relaying geology and teaching people about the plants and oftentimes people will say one of the most common things I hear on tours is like, how in the world did the Native Americans survive out here? I mean, it's just hot, it's dry, and I'm like, well, you're here during August. <laughs> you're here during Why is late it July. So hot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then I start pointing out the different aspects of like what the plants, what they were using the plants for, where they found water, and where they were at that time of year. And uh, just different things, you know. And so I like the geology was much different back then. It wasn't as what we see today. So Mm -hmm. everything we see today could be a total 180 than what they saw. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of one of the cool things at the very top of Schaefer. I like pointing out the um, those really tall pine trees across the canyon right there. Because I was reading in a book about the bear's ears that around 7,000 years ago, the climate changed and so we used to, this whole region here used to be covered with big what was it ponderosa pines and douglas firs and stuff like that and now the only ones you can find are up in the LaSalle's. and so right there at the very top of schaefer if you look off to the right <clears throat> you'll see just these huge huge pine trees and uh kind of a really cool glimpse into the past um i believe those are called uh like a generational growth or something like that i know there's some technical term but um, kind of a really cool glimpse into the past, people. yeah. But, but <laughs> yeah, we're we're guys. We're not technical, right? Um, but yeah. So, so, but yeah. Speaking of history, I mean, I know we've all got a bunch of like really interesting things that we love to talk about when it comes to history. And I know these two guys have a lot of information, a lot of knowledge. Um, so, 
But Josh, I know you guide on river, you got on land, you guide everything but space. So <laughs> that's next on his application. I'm talking if to Muskie about it. <laughs> NASA, if you are listening, Josh we, Pantison will fly a rocket to Mars today. If it's got a motor, I'll drive it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What 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 exactly is like one of your favorite things to just that that you really get jazzed up about to talk about like historically with people on tours and stuff? Um, so at the confluence of the green and the Colorado, yeah, the center of the universe, right? Uh-huh. The meeting of the two largest drainages in the West. It's a very auspicious place. Yeah, and uh, you know, back in the day, they uh, I think it was the early, it's like the '40s, uh, right? There's this huge movement to to control the water in the West, right? So this is when the Hoover Dam and you know, like all these major uh, hydroelectric projects are kind of getting started mm-hmm. and uh and they wanted to put a dam right below the confluence which would have very effectively inundated i mean all the way up into spanish valley it would have backed the colorado up and flooded all of moab <clears throat> it would have backed the green all the way up to green river up by i-70 and uh you know it could it could have been very different right we could very possibly not be able to enjoy cataract canyon as we do today mm-hmm. and uh mother nature good old mother nature nip that in the bud is due to fluctuating water levels and things like that they had a drill rig in the center of the the river and i i heard this story from t berry the head ranger and he uh god he wrote he rolls that thing off his tongue like he said it a thousand times it was pretty funny okay. to see him you know do his do his bit right and uh and so they had a drill rig moored in the center of the river, and I think they drilled like 124 feet looking for bedrock for limestone, so they could like, you know, really tie this dam into the canyon. And uh, due to fluctuating water levels, bent drill pipe, things like that, it it just, you know, it got scrapped. And like, thankfully, because yeah. Cat's like one of the most beautiful places in the world, so. You know, we we already lost Glen Canyon. Let's uh, let's keep Cat. Yeah. In fact, I just it. I just heard today that there are a number of political folks uh, in the lower basin states that they're like, yeah, let's nix, you know, Lake Powell and the Glen Canyon Dam and like this little ember started in my Ooh. belly. Oh, like, oh man. Oh, get Glen Canyon back. How about oh, that? Oh man, I don't know. I don't know if 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 most people most people do not know it's at the bottom of Lake Powell, in the silts down there. Um, this was one of the things when I had the pleasure of being able to speak to Bates Wilson's uh, kids, Julie, Cindy, his daughters, and um, Tug, his son. One of the things that I believe it was Julie or Cindy they were telling me about when Lake Powell was being proposed and to fill in the Glen Canyon. Uh, Bates Wilson absolutely did not want that at all. And she got teary-eyed on that episode I did with him last year, and she said when they dammed it up, he was so heartbroken. She's never seen her dad the heartbroken before. And it's because of what's at the bottom of the waters. There are uh, Native American Pueblos and Kivas down there. There's petroglyphs and pictographs down there. There's a, a, a early explorer uh, from the 1700s. There's his inscription down there. Underneath the waters, there's the crossing of the fathers from Escalante and Dominguez. 
uh, the steps that they carved out for their horses to cross, you know, to get down to the river level. There's that. There's even a, a ghost town, I believe, called White Canyon down there. Um, in fact, uh, one of the famous authors for Moab history, uh, Mr. Tom McCourt, he actually, he's in his 80s now, I believe, and he grew up in that town of White Canyon. And so he wrote a book on White Canyon. Anyways, there are, there's a lot of stuff underneath the waters of Lake Powell. And I was reading an article about those artifacts that are down there, the things that are down there. Um, luckily, silt, I don't know how, I don't know the scientific stuff behind it, but somehow things buried in silt is actually keeping it preserved from the water eroding things away, you know. Um, so, yeah, if they ever decide to get Glen Canyon back, that'd be pretty rad. Um, I even saw that someone even said on the Internet, uh, what was it, last year when the water was extremely dangerously low, they were talking about, yeah, we could have Glen Canyon National Park someday, you know, if yeah. they ever decide to do that and have a whole national park down there to protect everything. And then that would, you know, stop, you know, any further uh, development down there. So, or destruction of artifacts or historical things. Anyways, yeah, pretty pretty rad stuff man so they were drilling hold on let me go back to this yeah, drilling <laughs> i just can't get past this drilling they real quick. yeah <laughs> so they were at the confluence mm -hmm. and they were drilling what 120 feet down into right. through the lake sediment through the boulders and all various you know whatnot substrate looking for bedrock like bedrock limestone, yeah limestone so were they looking tree. like for the honaker formation down there way down below like 300 million year old rock or probably just I mean, something where, yeah that's, that's, that's kind of in in the in the area of the canyon you would see that kind of stuff yeah that's crazy to me i'm so glad that didn't happen because i mean you gotta think what would we not have today if if they had dammed up the river right there <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> and then most of the way down the Colorado, just before the confluence, is a little constriction called the slide. Yeah, right. And so, you know, uh, scientists estimate that about ten thousand years ago, um, there was a massive rockfall from River Right, you know, that completely blocked the entire Colorado River. Uh, mm. And then, you know, the water level built and built and built. And what I can only imagine was a cataclysmic bursting of this uh, uh, rock dam kind of pushed through on the left-hand side, um, creating what's technically a Class three rapid. But in the early 1900s, they were trying to use the green in the Colorado uh, as for commerce, right? And they had mm -hmm. these, like, steam-powered paddle boats and stuff that... They would come down the green and then try and uprun the Colorado, but because of the slide right there, the constriction of the river, you know, and the current, the motors they had just weren't quite stout enough to yeah. push all the way up. And so, huh. I mean, that definitely would have changed how that section of river would be used. I mean, if it had taken off, probably wouldn't have a national park there. Yeah, absolutely. Right yeah. Jeez, I, yeah, because when I'm on the white rim and I kind of I can sort of see down where the river is, you know, you see all that all the vegetation way down below you out there in the white rim in certain areas on the eastern side, and <clears throat> I'm just like, man, if they would have dammed that up, I'm sure this water would have been clear up here, close to the white rim, no doubt. 
you know, no doubt. Yeah, but what about my rapids, man? <laughs> Where'd they go? We got to have them rapids, Listen, man. man everyone <laughs> wants to know about the white water. <laughs> and I'm telling y'all, the white water needs oh, to be man. there. Oh, we'd, man, we'd, we'd turn into lake boaters. <laughs> Jeez, you man. guys want to go on a lake today? Just sleep and fall asleep, man. I you guys want to go on a lake today? <laughs> oh, man. Well, Will, I know, I know uh, Will just did, uh, what was it, the Gates of Lador? Gates of Lador. Oh, dude, yeah. How was that, man? That was good, man. Some of the best shade I've gotten in a while on a river. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Bighorn sheep. Very nice. Yeah. White water. Good, man. Good cruisy section, you know. Uh, lovely hikes, you know. Go up and see some fresh water at your camps. It's quite nice to see that instead of having to get into the silt and get siltier. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, yeah. Siltier at night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you got a, got, a, got a good couple of hikes, you know. Do good five days. I recommend mm-hmm. five days. Get you, you know, one layover day, you know. Spend it properly. Once you get in that canyon, I mean, it's, it's like going down Cat, it's like going down Grand. You don't have the rapids, but you have that desolation, you know. No one's around. It's you. You and the river and, and whoever else you bring along, whether you like them or not. <laughs> They're there for five days. Yeah. <laughs> but it's a good area. I nice. recommend it. Cool. Right on. And you said, uh, I know I've been hanging out with Will like all day today. Um, ran into him this morning. and uh, so We have become the mud Yeah. <laughs> So I know you were telling me a little bit about some some really cool history that that you know of down down there, and uh, and uh, so basically, oh, um, Dennis, Dennis Julian, yeah, Dennis Julian, oh yeah, yeah. Beaver Skinner, <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, Beaver Skinner, big time Good fur man. trader, yeah. So I mean, before the the dam was put up, it's you know it was much deeper. The canyon was much much deeper, and this guy's you know only has I mean he's got a bunch of you know he has himself. Noted in the Grand, in Cataract Canyon, in Labyrinth Canyon, in Gates of Lador, Desolation to Gray. His, his graffiti is all over that section, but everything's underwater. So there's only a few certain spots, um, you know, that you will see his autograph, which is a very special thing, you know, just because this man, you know, we're all floating down it. He walked up it, which I think that's pretty cool. And he was hunting, you know, he was out there by himself. You know, he was a true pioneer, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Working man. Working man. Dude, yeah, Janice Julian was a uh, big-time fur trader, big fur trapper. And um, <clears throat> and so, yeah, he was he was out here way before the uh, way before the Spanish troubles there, I believe, and mm-hmm. just mapping his way through this rough canyon country. I mean, what a, what a dude, you know. Savage. And if you do not want to traverse down to see some of these carvings that he did where he etched his name into the walls, um, I believe it's one of our government buildings here in Moab. Um, the DMV. The DMV. <laughs> That's right. At the DMV, there's a big sandstone slab <laughs> right on the wall that um, I believe is – is that an artist like depiction? It's a picture. Yeah, it's like, it's like an artist depiction of it. Anyways, you can see what – basically what you would see if you went to one of his inscriptions, uh, which is which is Very cool. dim inscription, baby. A lot of yeah, times, been yeah, <laughs> yeah. So he was one of the ones I was mentioning that one of his inscriptions is below the waters of Lake Powell, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, way, way, way down there. I mean, this was a dude that I mean, Dennis Julian. I mean, this was a guy that was literally coming through here when it was just indigenous tribes, 
here, uh, Utes, Paiutes, little Navajo to the south, um, and just kind of going down the rivers and just fur trapping and fur trading and then mapping his way out of here, mapping his way through here, and leaving his name behind. I'm pretty sure this dude had no clue when he was etching his name into the wall, what, at least six to ten times that we know of in different locations up and down different rivers out here that this dude did not know that, what, 200 years later we would be observing him and wondering who in the world was this guy? (laughs) What was he like? What was he doing? When was he here? You know, just, just different things like that, you know. Uh, which I think is pretty cool. And in the guide world, I like to call these cowboy glyphs, you know, not necessarily. There are, it's a petroglyph of someone's name and sometimes a picture. Speaking of which, did you guys know Grandstaff did one in Grandstaff Canyon? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Outside, he, did, he did one. Um, it had the name he went by back then, which mm-hmm. was uh bill <laughs> brother bill yeah and uh there was a word before that uh which would which was the old the old name of the canyon um so anyways um and he drew a face um i have yet to find it i've seen a photo really? of yeah, it yeah i've heard about that. it's josh have you seen it in person yet no, i've seen I photos i heard it was somewhere near much. the the beginning of it anyways don't try to crush a bunch Josh, of crypto Josh has trying a reservation to find <laughs> down cataract canyon he's preserving a lovely spot <laughs> In 2025, please <laughs> vote for Josh to be mayor of Cataract Canyon. He will pres- make sure that bad boy will be open 24 hours a day. 24 yeah, hours. Will, I think we still got our uh, uh, our vacation home on Big Drop Beach. <laughs> they didn't tear it down yet? No, dude. It's, it's looking all oh, good. Oh, boy. We, we made it very incognito. All right. I'll tell no you No one what. tear it down, please. One of my... Um, <laughs> it's not to change the subject, though. <laughs> One of my favorite um, histories that I really like to point out to people, um, when I'm at the Petroglyph site, on speaking of rivers, I and mean, we've been talking about rivers this whole episode, which is cool, because um, I love rivers. I love me some river history. Um, being at the Petroglyph site right there on Potash Road, um, you'll see uh, these two Fremont guys with horns in their heads. They're holding large circles. Um, to the right of that, you'll see a series of squiggly lines. And it's so interesting because you start on the left and you start to work your way towards the right as you're looking at it. You'll see the squiggly lines just kind of going back and forth or up and down from the way we see it. And then you see them do this huge, big, like sort of a 180 almost. And then it kind of keeps going. And, you know, for my first couple of seasons guiding, I would just say, yeah, that could either mean river or travel, you know, according to some books that I've read. And I started thinking about it. I was like, river. Oh, my gosh. Wait a second. I pulled up a, a map of the Colorado River from that point downstream. You've got the Meander Canyon going back and forth, back and forth. Then you've got this big, almost like 180, which is the which is the gooseneck, a big horseshoe bend in the river. So I... You know, and this isn't the fir- this isn't the only one on that panel. You go kind of around the wall to the left, right there, a little um, downstream, just a few hundred yards, and you'll see um, another one that looks exactly like it, just you know, at a different angle, um, same same exact pattern of squiggly lines. So it's kind of cool. That's one of that's one of my sort of favorite parts of history to sort of talk to people is how these Native Americans mapped out the river. I believe my, in my opinion, you know. 
and according to what I read on the internet, and I believe I believe everything the the internet says. By the way, Um, I'm just uh, one of those people. Is that Wikipedia? Come on, man. (laughs) Who's in charge of that? (laughs) Um, So, anyways, but yeah, and also, you know, another one of my really favorite parts of history would, you know, um, as far as the river goes, would of course be the John Wesley Powell expedition. You know, oh, yeah. and uh, I talked. You still run those trips. Yeah, and I talked about that with Mr. Roy Webb, big time Colorado River historian, uh, author, and um, so we we talked about that a couple episodes ago, and um, just what an expedition! I mean, you know, I I've only been. On, I mean, I'm not the like I said. I'm use, not a river I person. Mean, they're, they're, they're essentially the dories we use today is. is Fifty percent lighter than what they were using back then. They used yeah. dories, but yeah, think of a heavy, heavy oak tree that you're just taking down. And you know, I think it's fascinating about him is because he would come up to these rapids and look at them and scout them and just think thoroughly. Like maybe that'll work, maybe that'll work, but he has no idea until someone goes down first. Right. So you know, he, and the other option is to take these heavy, heavy monster of boats. And walk around it, and it's like, man, being <laughs> that much of a cowboy, what are you gonna do? Right? Yeah. I mean, it's just, this is one of those things, you know. You got to think about every single little thing that he like went through while going down these rivers, you know, because he did one in what, uh, what was it, uh, eighteen sixty nine, and then another one in eighteen seventy two, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, some year, a uh, few years later. And, um, I mean, I, I, I even heard, I was reading in a book that one of his boats tipped over and he lost a bunch of equipment, a boss, a bunch of gear, but they just kept going, of course. Um, cause one of the things he was trying to do, I believe was trying to, um, not only sort of map out the rivers, but yes, but also getting the elevations, you know, um, the altitude of the water as it's going downstream. And, um, which is which is kind of interesting that they had the tools to do that back then mm-hmm. in the mid to late 1800s. So kind of hard for us to think because we can just pull out our cell phones and see what elevation we're at now. No big deal. No big deal. And for those of you who do not know the story, he did it with one arm. He lost his arm, I believe, in the Civil War. He was right. he was uh, the number one navigation device known to man. Yeah. Stick that finger out and tell you where to go. Yeah. And if you're at the... (laughs) (laughs) Sit down, shut up, start rowing. Yeah. Yeah. We're going that way. (laughs) Yeah. Where are we going, John? (laughs) Downstream. Downstream. That's right. We got one one direction and one direction only. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Well, we used to do the future father of the USGS. Yeah. You know, he wanted... uh, he wanted the United States to be separated into watersheds, which, you know, only makes sense, right? Yeah. Um, he'd honestly roll in his grave if uh, he realized they made a reservoir in the middle of the desert and named it after him. <laughs> he'd be very upset. Right. Well, one of the things I read about online about, about um, Powell is that one of the things he said, is he said, I don't believe that the Southwest could support a massive amount of human life i feel like he had some foresight you know and we saw that when the river level was dropping down pretty low um because i mean the colorado river is pretty much the most important water in the southwest when it comes to these reservoirs um 
And, uh, yeah, it was kind of scary how, you know, for those folks who depend on the Colorado River, you know, for everything. And it's crazy to see a lot of these explorers being able to see the future. Because same thing at that time, Gates of Lador Dinosaur National Monument, uh-huh. you know, one of the biggest impacts was when they were doing a lot of the archaeology there is, I forgot the gentleman's name, everyone's going to quote me on it, but don't worry. He found one of the largest skeletal spines that you, you know, out here in Utah. And he knew that with how this spine was located and how relevant there were bones around, that that there's more down below. Uh So he wrote Congress and said, Congress, you know, for the future of history, you know, learning, let's leave the fossils where they're at and let's dig around them. Let's see how they've ended up there and discover, you know, why they're there, not just pull and pick and figure out what dinosaur it creates, you know. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest things they found is in Dinosaur, dinosaur uh, Monument is there's an ancient river that was flowing there, pushed all these bones, and they created a log jam, big old strainer. And then over time, you know, we have millions, not millions, but thousands of really relevant dinosaurs, new to very old, in this one location, we're able to, you know, put those fossils together and, you know, carbon date and figure out what's going on. It's yeah. all in that one location, which is, I think that's another beautiful part of, you know, Canyonlands and Green yeah. River, you know, Desolate, you know, although all of it, Colorado, it all flushes in, like Josh was saying. It's a big old flusher coming into the confluence. There's a lot of gold underneath. You mm-hmm. know? Oh, my gosh, yeah. Was that Linanger who said that back in eighteen hundred? I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm just got him. Got him. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but no. <laughs> oh man, yeah. You know, I did an episode with um, with our uh, state paleontologist um, uh, back in January, and we were talking about the history. Speaking of dinosaur stuff, I mean, while we're on it. You know, we were uh, talking about history. I believe it was the Hayden Expedition in the late 1800s. He had a guy with him who was a uh, geologist and all that. And he found dinosaur bones literally just down there by uh, Church Rock on the Needles Turnoff down there. And that was the first time, you know, um, that that they had found dinosaur bones in the region. And um, so over time, of course, yeah, finding all these dinosaur bones... And, uh, yeah, because, you know what, here's the thing is, you know, we were talking about river history, and now we're talking about dinosaur stuff, you know, for a moment. But back in the day when the dinosaurs were here, there were other rivers carving a lot right. of these canyons that we see today that are completely, rivers. totally dry. You've got these, I know a lot of geologists like don't like this phrase, but the ancestral Rocky Mountains, <laughs> the ones that were the mountain range that was there. You know, there was a lot of these rivers and streams kind of flowing down through there. Um, and so I believe that some, a lot of those probably, you know, carved a lot of these canyons that we have out here today. And of course, probably carrying a lot of the volcanic stuff and eventually, uh, you know, within the Moenkopi and Chinle layers, you know, finding a lot of uranium out there, you know, um, within those, uh, specific layers, there's a documentary on YouTube called the petrified streams, which is pretty interesting. This documentary was made in the 1950s, literally right during the height of the uranium frenzy of in Moab here. Uh, and I highly recommend checking that out on YouTube. There's a lot of really cool old footage of them mining out there on the White Rim and down south of town as well. 
and they're talking about how these petrified streams uh these rivers flowing through here carried all the right components you know for us to have uranium in within these specific layers could you imagine is, if we were all just one big giant and just dug a big hole in moab canyonlands <laughs> just pick a flat spot in canyonlands you were a giant just big old shovel dug that hole up and you scoop that pile up and put it in your hands i mean you would have the human history in one hand i mean that's literally like all of it's compact here yeah so, you know, exactly a lot of density with the cool oh, stuff so much so much wait you said density within the what now of like cool stuff oh cool like, stuff okay yeah really neat oh absolutely yeah know. Wow. One thing I like to do is gain perspective with my guests on tours because when I'm talking, because you know people ask how old is this layer, how old is that layer, so I sort of start telling them. I'm like, you know, hey, listen, uh, you know, uh, if you take the age of the Earth, <laughs> if you take the age of the Earth, set it out on a year calendar, everything we see out here in Moab was formed around October, and humans have only been around the last 14 seconds. So how long have you been around for human history? Wow, absolutely. This is how he dodges the question of, like, how old is this? Because yeah. he can't remember any dates. <laughs> it's, okay, it's okay, neither can I. We're going to go to months. <laughs> you know, yeah, when you're guiding, you know, and you're holding so much information in your head, you know, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, you, you can't go wrong with saying, oh, yeah, hundreds of million years, give or take a week, you know. Oh, no, you can't. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the go-to. Hundreds of million years. Give or take a week or two, you know. Listen, where we take these people, there's no Wi-Fi. They yeah. can't fact check us. All right. <laughs> we are the about it. <laughs> Yeah. And uh, sort of uh, what kind of brings me, oh, yeah, you know what? Yeah. Um, one of the things that I really love about guiding and is all of this information we've been sharing with you guys. This is information that we have all individually studied on our own. Um, and just because we're passionate about what we do, whether we're on the river or we're sending people over a rope on a cliff, like what Josh does a lot <laughs> and, or, um, been told I'm really good at talking somebody over an edge. <laughs> basically nice. he's talked to me over a couple edges. So, <laughs> um, or whether you're, uh, leading people on a hike is, you know, the information really, really makes an experience for people, um, on these tours. And um, that's why I am really, really, really happy that um, I've collabed with the uh, with the history hour here. I've collabed with the Moab Museum, and uh, we've got some stuff that we've got going on where we educate guides or anyone. You know, we've got a couple of open dates where whoever wants to come up can sign up, and uh, you can find that information on the Moab Museum website. Um, and uh yeah educating people about our local history here and uh, which i think is really cool because you know whenever we're guiding and people see that you've done your homework i think that really adds to the tour you know whatever you're doing um and so people feel comfortable that they can ask you questions about hey how old is this hey who was here first or hey what does this right here mean what is this plant et cetera, et cetera. you know um so but yeah i think that's super rad you know so really awesome stuff but yeah, do you guys have any uh, last stories here? I know we've got about five minutes left. Uh, so a snail walks into a Nissan dealership. <laughs> nice. This one <laughs> slays them, everybody. Listen up now. This I love this joke. Here. I love this joke. <laughs> and he goes to the car salesman, and he says, man, you see that 350Z over there? Boy, that's a slick-looking car. I sure do want to buy one of those. Car salesman goes, oh, of course, anything for you, Mr. Snail. We'll get one right out. 
And the snail says, well, man, I want this thing to be fast. The best performance package you got. Oh, anything you want. As fast as you want, Mr. Snail. Anything for you. And the snail says, well, can you replace all the Z badging on the car with an S? The salesman kind of looks at him, slightly perplexed. He's like, well, of course, Mr. Snail, but it's a bit of a strange request. Do you mind me asking why? And the snail replies, because when I'm driving down the road, I want everybody to say, man, look at that S car go. <laughs> and the man said this while resetting someone's dislocated shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't laugh near as much as yeah. I thought he would. I remember got a, the I got first, a chuckle out of him. The first time I ever heard this joke was actually earlier this year. Me and Josh took, <laughs> me and Josh took a group of people. Uh, down to Horseshoe Canyon to see the Great Gallery, and it was a full day. It was a full day trip we did, and we do this hike. And as we're hiking out, man, it started. What, what was that? Snow? It was grapple. Grapple. Yeah. Like it was, it was like I mean, dipping dots out. coming down. It was, it was a whiteout. Cool. We're hiking out of this canyon. It was super rad. A mythical element. It was. It was super fun. And so we get back in the vehicle. And for those of you who have never been out the Horseshoe Canyon, the the dirt road leading out there from Green River is what josh says the longest dirt road in the united states or whatever uh, something like that it's rough it's, it's, it's a long hours way. to get back to green river you on got a dirt time road. to think about your yeah. life <laughs> so basically we're going down this road everyone's tired everyone's just dead quiet everyone no one has said a word in like 30 minutes i'm actually like half asleep and josh comes out of nowhere and he's like just breaks the silence with so a snail walks into a <laughs> nissan dealership and i he didn't even have to tell the joke. I was already laughing. I don't know why. It was well, just the randomness. That's the thing. The, the intro is the funniest part of that <laughs> joke, literally. It's classic. You know, as a guide, you have to have these uh, dad jokes, I guess, in your back pocket. You know, uh, there's a couple that I really like to do is whenever we're coming back into town, we cross over the Colorado River, and there's that new hotel up there on the left called called the My Place, right? And it <laughs> takes people off guard. I'm like, hey, guys, before I drop you off real quick, I really want to show you my place. <laughs> and they say, okay, uh, uh, okay. And then I just point up at it, and then like, oh, ha, 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 you know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what Blaine and Josh are getting down to is that guiding comes more than just the knowledge and, and the – the skills to do it it's you gotta just just shoot it with them uh, talk to them have a laugh get them comfortable absolutely and then throw that knowledge in because one of the things that you just said is being comfortable and that's one of the things that i've noticed as a guide is when people feel comfortable with you they trust you you've made them laugh they know that you know your information they know that your experience level and then that way when you say oh hey 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 i wouldn't walk out on that that's a little too fragile like we should probably stay back here they're going to take your word for it you know instead of being like oh that's gross you know whatever you know uh, which i think is super important out here especially in around all these cliffs and stuff or you know down down the rivers and whatnot you know that way People trusting their guide, feeling good and comfortable with us, you know. Um, I mean, by looking at us, you know, the average person. We sketchy people. (laughs) As Ben Affleck said, (laughs) suspect. Blaine has a a face for radio, that's for sure. (laughs) In fact, my, my hat actually says, face only mama could love. So you know, Wayne I do. This is the reason Dave. why I started the History Hour, and I'm not on handsome video. Dave. Yeah, 
this is the true reason why I started the History Hour, everybody, is because I do have the face for radio. So, anyways. But, yeah. Um, no, it certainly is uh, a lot of fun out here guiding and sharing uh, history with people and geology and lots of really super cool plant life. And um, I just want to thank these guys for coming in. You know, Thank you for taking time from your busy, busy schedules. Will was just visiting town today. Um, thank you. Know, you he's Blaine. been a guide out here for a lot of, for, for some years and uh, super good pal. So I ran to him. I was like, yo, you want to be on this radio show today? And he's like, yeah, let's do it. I told him in. I had a bar yeah, so You know? And this is the perfect time, you know, because Josh is normally living down Cat, you know, or something down Cataract Canyon. But this is a great time of year to pull Josh in here. And really glad I got to do this uh, meet your guides uh, slash guide banter, guide history, whatever, whatever you want to call it. So, uh, yeah, we should do some more of these in the future, I really think. Thank Anyways, you, KZMU. Yeah, thanks, KZMU, for, for hosting uh, the History Hour here. And uh, sweet. Well, guys, uh, I think that about does it for our time. Yeah, thanks a lot, guys, for coming in. Um, so one month from today, last Monday of the month, the History Hour at 4 p.m. So stay tuned for that, everybody, and we will see you guys later. You can catch the History Hour on the KZMU Airwaves on the last Monday of every month at 4 p.m.